Welcome to the 503 Report, where America's voice is heard. Thank you for listening online. Be sure to check out our website weekly as we bring Sacramento and the world to you. The 503 Report at www.503report.com, where America's voice is heard. United States Senator Dianne Feinstein met with uh, Sacramento, uh, Sacramento Bee, talking about the preliminary uh, water uh, tables that we have here in the state of California before the release and how we need to continue on with Governor Brown's measures of you know, conservation. Now, we've done pretty well here in California. The numbers are looking pretty good for California as far as the snowpack level and the water. Our lakes and streams are looking very good. Nothing wrong with being conservative still maybe loosen them up just a little bit as we get into late spring into early summer but she's also proposing something that we here on the 503 report has been talking about for quite some time so i'm thinking that diane feinstein is actually listening to our show so she has a 1.3 billion dollar proposal to help with infrastructure with dams to increase the capacity something we have talked about here for a long time desalinization also in the checkbox for the 503 report, something we've talked about for a long time. Grants, something that we've talked about. So three strikes and Senator Feinstein, well, you're not out, but you are agreeing with what we've been talking about for years here on the 503 report. So are we going to see anything happen in, uh, you know, in, the, in the Senate? Are we going to get something like that? Probably be a very difficult fight for her. In times of plenty, it's very difficult to get something like that passed. But you know what? Remember, we just had four years and we're not very good. Now, the, our winter's not over. It's been an El Nino year, so we've had a little more precip than in normal, maybe. And we're starting to catch up. And, boy, don't the lakes and the, the streams and the, and the uh, you know, like Oroville and Shasta Lakes look great. They're looking very good up here in northeastern California. And the snowpack amounts are very good. So we've talked about here on the 503 Report for a long time. Increase the capacities at the dams to store during times of plenty. Instead of letting the water out like they are doing at some of the places right now, like Shasta and those places like that, 
you can have more capacity. You can keep that water for future times. That's a great conservative idea, and that's something that you know, uh, liberal Senator Dianne Feinstein seems to be for. Again, I think she's listening to the 503 Report. <laughs> it is Friday. It is our favorite day of the week. And with me, as always, my good friend, Andrew Walburn. Buddy, how are you? You know, I'm elated. You know, I mean, we've got multiple, multiple, hey, we told you so we moments t- here on the 503 Report. I tell you what, you know, we're kind of proud of that. We're going to talk about a few of those on the bottom part of the show, too. You know, so ultimately, folks, yes, yeah, up here in northeastern California, a little town called Susanville, California, in the county of Lassen. Yes, we are amongst the first amongst uh, media groups out there that are saying things that, well, they're just now starting to catch up to us. Hello, folks. Andrew Wellborn here on the 503 Report, bringing Sacramento and the world to you. And, of course, we podcast on iTunes where America's voice is heard. Tim. Andrew, one thing we've always been ahead of, we've always been a little bit ahead of the game with things that we've talked about here uh, before they become, you know, statewide or national, some of the things we've talked about. We talked about this pretty in depth. We've had a show or two about this a year or so ago, and it really is nice to see that uh, finally uh, U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein is getting back behind us on that. But something that you really went in-depth about, desalinization and conservation and, and increasing you know, the dam capabilities because it's tough right now. It is only the 1st of April, and we're already seeing water being let out of, of Shasta and Oregon, some of those big, huge dams and lakes up here. And it'd be nice if we can keep that for like what we just had the last four years up here. You know, I'd love to take credit that, you know, I'm the <laughs> all smart guy and all this other stuff, folks. But it's not that I'm so smart. It's just that I hang out with very, very smart people from time to time. You know, and, and this goes all the way back to basically, I mean, just about any, any member of the Assembly and the Senate that has represented uh, Northeastern California. This has been an issue amongst farmers, ranchers, and people. If anything, folks, it just shows that I'm smart enough to listen to the community. Community and the and the smart people in the community, you know, which is something that you know obviously our governments are not doing. And if they would have listened to all these smart people in our communities out there within our audience, then uh, maybe we would be further ahead. You know, we would have been way ahead of the ball. Maybe we could have done these things years and years, if not decades ago, at, at a much much uh, cheaper price. But ultimately, it comes down to now some of the things we're talking about. You know, a billion dollars. I mean, maybe that would have only been like a half a billion dollars, maybe a decade ago. Go, had we had gone forward with the understanding of the facts. So, you know, when it comes to this, yes, desalinization, we've been a proponent of desalinization on the show. People have literally looked at me from time to time, like, you know, as we use a term in, out there where we work, you know, look like I've, uh, I, I'm drinking my bath water yeah. for the most part. And, uh, you know, I mean, desalinization now is, looks like more and more communities down in Southern California are beginning to adopt the concept. And, and really, folks, yes, what starts out expensive in the form of technology at first uh, will eventually get cheaper because you build an industry around uh, that type of technology. And so, yes, we've been a proponent here on the 503 Report about the importance of desalinization and, and the way we can utilize our California State University system and the imprinted minds of our young children out here in California to save the world and global warming and climate change in order to give them 
incentive to become very innovative. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> am I manipulating uh, uh, capitalism here with this thought? Absolutely, I, so. <laughs> I am, folks. Free markets all the way. But anyways, yes, it seems now that Dianne Feinstein and hopefully Governor Jerry Brown and the people of California, more importantly, the people of California who elect the members of the legislature will start to realize, hey, wait a minute, this is serious. As I say to all my family members down in the southern part of California, we're all good up here. But I don't know about you guys. You may be screwed. Absolutely. You got that right. And what better way to infuse those young minds who are very impressionable at colleges. We hear all the time about the liberalness of the California UC systems and professors out there. And for something that they are very much for, for green technology, for conservation, then to come up with some way to make that. Now, like you said, it's going to be expensive at first for desalinization. But down there where they have more to draw from, bigger bodies of water, over time, things become more and more uh, inexpensive, more and more for the public can get those at a less uh, amount of money and better for everybody overall. Better mousetraps will always be built yes, when they it will. comes to any type of technology. And Tim, from here on out, man, I'm going to forbid you something, buddy. And mm-hmm. I'm going to forbid you to use the word liberal. We're going to change some of the language. No, we're not going to use those words. From now on, folks, I'm going to really make the emphasis. We're going to start using the words correctly. And I'm in a big argument, a big debate out there amongst uh, some of our great loyal loyal listeners you know when it comes to this we're going to change this to back to basics we're going to get back and call it what it is the leftist out here in california the leftist in america that is the true term and folks when you look up the word leftist you'll understand what i'm talking about so i want to encourage all of our listeners to look up the word leftist and so yes you know every now and then i will slip i have been working very hard to get the word liberal off of my lips out of my vocabulary unless we use it in its proper context. And that's really, really a big kick that I'm going to be on as we go throughout this year, especially as we enter closer and closer into our presidential season, Tim. Okay, well, I have it written down here. I'm going to have to put it in big, bold letters for me because (laughs) it's something that I've been using for a long time. But I like that. We we do encourage people. And Andrew comes in here with books all the time, with with dictionaries and the the, the correct terminology for politics. So he knows from which that he speaks. And you are correct on the leftists on there. But it is nice to finally see. But like I said, Andrew, earlier at the beginning of this show, it's going to be very difficult in times of plenty. And this year seems to be a time of plenty of water to maybe get some things done. But at least the the senator is pushing forth and trying to get some things done. Of course, her... her, uh, uh, touting of that money, the $1.3 billion, came out before the water numbers. The water numbers were pretty good. Like I said, you can, the folks have seen up here. And the farming community up here, you know, they're very much interested in what's going on with the water. Because any more that we can have up here where they don't have to use uh, their pumps and their fuels and things, with the streams have more water in them, they, they can use those. It's a little bit less money. It's a lot more cost-effective, too. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I understand the importance of releasing the water right now because Southern California just doesn't have it, and they need it very badly. But at the same time, you know, good Lord, guys, you know, give us a chance to enjoy the lakes up here in Northern California. I mean, for, to release Shasta this early, I mean, you know, I don't know how long it's been, you know, since I've actually gone down to Shasta Lake and actually been able to, to step off onto the bank without climbing up 
up rocks. You can <laughs> step off. You can tie your boat off on a tree, you know, for goodness sakes. But, you know, ultimately, yes, we're going to have to start thinking about that, folks. And, you know, I, I'm hearing a buzz. I'm hearing a buzz down there in Sacramento. Fortunately, Tim, there seems to be like this movement. And we've seen the petitions and the initiative that maybe, you know, maybe, maybe redirecting the uh, bullet train, the high-speed rail funds for the purpose of water storage. And, you know, that's the message we've really got to get out to the people of Southern California is that what do you want more? You want to be able to drink water or have a train that you may never use? Absolutely. And, you know, uh, Tesla's trying to come up with a, almost a supersonic uh, transport over in Nevada. They're just getting a grant on that over there. So absolutely, you're correct on that. And it really would be nice to see our colleges really swing toward that. Here a positive story of you know, UC Davis or UC Los Angeles both competing against each other to try to come up with this idea first. Wouldn't that be great for our kids and to hear something like that? Oh, shame on you, Tim. You know, you used a, a, a dirty word to the left, compete. Oh my I goodness. did. I'm sorry. Compete. I'm going to wash my mouth out in a minute. No, Andrew. brother, you keep using that word as much as you want. You're right, folks. Absolutely. You know, competition. Competition is what makes America great. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes we confuse competition with monopolies and the, the free trade, lazy affair. We use these terms uh, so, so incorrectly across the nation, not just out here in California, folks, but uh, never fear. We're going to get you straight. All right, buddy. All right, folks. It's time for something you should know, you don't know. Maybe you don't want to know today's date in history. The year is 1778. New Orleans businessman Oliver Pollock. He creates what I believe, folks, the most important symbol we have ever seen in America. That's right. The dollar sign. The S in two lines. Capitalism, free market, free trade. 1792. Feminist Etta Palmer. She demands women's rights to divorce. Huh. Feminist. Wait a minute, that's today's term that we're using in yesterday. Huh. 1826, Samuel Morey is issued the first U.S. patent for an internal combustion machine. Guess what he calls it, guys? A gas or vapor engine. The 503 Report, bringing Sacramento and the world to you. Heard every Friday right after the news on 1240 KSUA and podcasting live on iTunes. Live from the high desert in the Sierra Nevada mountains, it's the 503 Report, Northeastern California's original political talk show, bringing Sacramento and the world to you. And here's your host, Tim Reiner. Thank you very much, Dan. Welcome back, everybody. It is our favorite day of the week, the 503 Report, bringing Sacramento and the world to you. Ah, beautiful weather up here, beautiful times up here, and uh, great, great moments here on the 503 Report. Yes, folks, uh, we get to tout a little bit. We get to uh, brag a little bit. We get to say, yeah, 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 we were right when nobody else was. But that's important, folks. You know, every now and then we just got to remind our audience and our listeners that what you are listening to and uh, the effort and and the, the what we try to bring to you the truth is what we try to bring to you every week here on the 503 report so batten down folks we're going to talk a little bit about politics we're going to talk a little bit about california as normal here on the 503 report so hello folks andrew wellborn here on that 503 report bringing sacramento and the world to you and of course uh, as you know tim we podcast this show on itunes absolutely the 503 report where america's voice is heard as well and you can text us at 257-8255 this is not like the big boys, although we sound like them sometimes. We like to pat ourselves on the back. 
We are the writers. We are the producers. We are the directors. We answer the phones. We answer the texts. It's Andrew and I in here in the studio. So please give us a little bit of time, but we will answer those for you as quickly as we can at 257-8255. Feel free hmm. to join in there. Well, you know, we may not be the big boys up here in northeastern California, but I, 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 I guarantee you, you know, the big boys might want to look at maybe uh, putting us on the payroll every yeah. now and then as far as advising some of their big boys and girls on the big media airways. And, yes, you know, Tim, on the first part of the show, we're talking about desalinization. We're talking about Diane Feinstein, California U.S. Senator, actually getting behind some proposals and proposals some spending, you know, for water storage, a big issue that we bring up all the time, a very big issue issue in northeastern california when it comes to water and of course that's a bigger issue when it comes to the people of southern california how that works out like that it's i mean amazing. they, they kind of you know they go hand in hand absolutely buddy. and so you know the leftists and we're correcting the terms folks i'm going to be very big on terms we are correcting it we are no longer using the word liberal here on the 503 report we may slip from time to time and we'll catch ourselves because of habit but we're going to use proper vocabulary we're going to start using proper political terms and we're going to bring it back to basics to the people of our audience and hopefully we can spread it to our kids so they can understand the difference between a lot of political ideology and political words so yes the leftists in southern california need to start understanding that they have to have water in order to have water we have to do what we have to build a dam and then you know as that dam holds water back we release water so that you get water you have a state of 40 million people guess what folks uh, it's not global warming that's causing our lakes to dry up in california it is california global consumption so at some point we're going to have to make those adjustments within our thoughts but really it is going to start with us up here when we send our children down there to take on the ideology of the left. I like that. Not global warning, global consumption, because we are growing rapidly here in the great state of California. And wouldn't that be great, Andrew, if the if the state they they try to come together because they you know Southern California needs what we have desperately up here in abundance and they don't and that it, the water now however they do have those big bodies of water down there where they can use those desalinization plants so let's get that competition that dirty word going again between the universities our bright young minds that we have in abundance here in the 40 million people in California let's work together and let's get something going this is a time of plenty right now but we need to grow on what we have. Let's continue to grow. And if we did not have to release that water and we had more uh, infrastructure on the dams and they were had more capacity, water would still be released. But in times of plenty, we would have so much more and it wouldn't be such a worrisome for the farmers that grow most of the food. And that's between Sacramento Valley and up mm, north. Absolutely. Okay, folks, if it may sound confusing, if you're listening to this rebroadcast on Saturday and Sunday, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the first segment of every show. And sometimes we realize that on our rebroadcast, it may sound confusing because, you know, we set up our show this was only a half an hour of broadcast on saturdays and sunday but we do a 15 minute segment prior to this half hour so go back and listen to it so that we can catch up okay another thing that we've been talking about here out here on the 503 report you know tim we've got plenty of predictions we've got plenty of history you know i'm proud to say that you know across the nation up here once again susanville california northeastern california uh lassen county california you know we are the only guys out there who made a prediction well you know we said that california possibly could be in play we said that folks I went back and I found the show when we said it. It's cataloged in case anybody wants to challenge me. I can bring it up. We did say it 
it last year with so many candidates. We predicted, Tim, if you recall, we said four. Oh, I do. We you said, did. We said four candidates have got the capability of going the full distance in order to make possibly California in play for the first time. And you know what? You know, we weren't 100% correct you know there's only three of them you know? yeah, i'll take that okay andrew i will take that every day my friend and in all fairness to to our loyal listeners who understand and listen to us all the time yes we did say it was going to be trump and cruz and we didn't say Kasich, no. but you know we said rubio and bush you know so you know hey we are 50 percent on three quarters correct now Whoa, I, that's new math in there yeah, somewhere yeah, andrew that, that's a texas that's a texas math but anyways yeah. in politics world you you know, folks out there in the world of politics, uh, that's called victory. That's called we'll take know, it. being ahead of it. And I have to tell you, there's no one out there. There's no there's no media out there on the big boy level that has uh, been Come as close. accurate as we have been. And, you know, we appreciate all of our listeners for giving us the opportunity to uh, pat ourselves on the back. Okay, we do have a call on the line. Thanks for joining the conversation. What's on your mind today? Good afternoon, and thank you for the show. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh I'm a little over 50 years old, and as far as I know, we were handed a mess before any of us were born. <laughs> and all the fixes that have been presented to us have been short-term for the party gain and not for the public gain. Mm. I am tired. Everybody's tired. We're, everybody's bitching at everybody else about who's right and who's wrong. You know who's to blame for all this? Everybody. Mm. So... We can't get along anymore because no one can can seem to compromise, hmm. and we're handed a mess, and it's all short-term fixes, no long-term fixes. Hmm. And if this nation is going to succeed, it has to be one or go back to what we left to come here for. Everybody have a great, great day in America. Well, thank you very much. A new C word in there, compromise, something that, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, America, you know, I think that's kind of a, not the hope and change of uh, eight, nine years ago, but compromise. We've certainly been hearing that a lot uh, lately, and uh, that is a tough word for the politicians to get on the back of. You know, Glenn, you call in all the time, and I appreciate your loyal listenership in calling in. And, you know, it's very rare, man, that... that that I don't find that I can't agree with uh, some of the things Absolutely. you say, but uh, today, man, you know, you hit you hit that one right out of the park, man. Uh, I mean, that is absolutely correct. You know, I'm I'm not too far behind you in age, and uh, it is, you know, our generation. We've been left this mess, and and that's part of what's going on in America. This phenomenal that's going on within the Republican and Democrat Party. You know, we're we're tired of this mess. There's been no accountability. You know, the political bosses, there, there are in see right now as an example even though we're not focusing on the democrat side the party controls you know historically we refer to it and i'm not going to get on that that tangent today but you know historically anytime the party bosses begin to control the government and then it starts to affect the people economically we have an uprise we've seen it several times in american's history so yeah absolutely you're absolutely the caller is 100 correct you know compromise you said you know it's funny because i was just having a great conversation with my good buddy, my, my favorite libertarian, Christopher Bennett, about the ultimate compromise. You know, we have all these factions on the left, factions on the right, you know, factions in the middle. We talk about our interpretations of the Constitution, we interpretation of a state right versus a federal control and vice versa. But we forget that the most important historical fact, folks, was that the Constitution of the United States 
is the greatest compromise in our history. Okay, looks like we're lighting up the phones. Thanks for joining the conversation. What's on your mind today? Welcome to 503. Speak up a little bit if you could, please. Uh, yes. I have words to speak with you with uh, C, the Constitution. Mm-hmm. We cannot compromise the Constitution. Mm-hmm. The Constitution is the glue that holds this country together. And what I'm saying is we have basic laws that come from the Constitution. Don't interpret the Constitution in a way that those laws are not abided huh. by. You know, oh, wow, great point. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what a great point. And, you know, that that is such a complex, another C word, such a complex uh, discussion when it comes to the Constitution and, and, and given established rights and, and the compromise of the Constitution. You know, ultimately, at some point in time, we're going to have to define exactly. I mean, look. We do not have in America today, and I know I'm going to raise some eyebrows, but do we, should we say, let me ask a question. Maybe this is the best way of doing this. Do we have a definitive uh, understanding? Do we have a definitive establishment of the Constitution? Do we know what the Constitution can and can't do? What is the role of government is the question. That debate is going on across this nation, and it's been going on for as long as I can remember. The role of government is the role of government established in the Constitution. So, folks, you know, when we think about this, is the role of government established within the Constitution or is the role of government established by the people's ability to establish the role of government within the Constitution? The 503 Report bringing Sacramento and the world to you. 257-8255 is the phone line in Texas there as well. And we will be right back. The views and opinions expressed on the 503 report do not necessarily represent those of staff or management of KSV or Sierra Broadcasting Company. Interrupt you solely by Andrew Wellborn and the 503 Network. All right, California and the rest of this nation, it's time for something you should know, you don't know, maybe you don't want to know, but you're going to know that right now. Today's date in history, the year is 1850. San Francisco County government is established. Huh, is that a good thing or bad? I'm not sure on that one, Andrew. <laughs> oh, my good Lord, you know. 1853, the city of Cincinnati becomes the first city to pay firefighters a regular salary. Hey, did that start something good or bad? I don't know, folks. History, history. 1866, the United States Congress rejects presidential veto. Now, this is important. This veto, by the rejection of the veto, it gave all equal rights in the United States. And I'm going to get right back to that. And then one year later, in 1867... Black people in America were allowed to vote in the municipal election in Tuscubia, Alabama. Hello, folks. Andrew Wellborn here on the 503 Report, bringing Sacramento 
and the world to you. And, of course, we podcast this show on iTunes where America's voice is heard, Tim. And we are lighting up the phones. Let's just get to this caller. Hello. Welcome to 503. What's on your mind today? Thanks for joining this conversation. Well, I was just listening to your last caller, and uh, I was thinking, I think it might be better instead of teaching the kids the Constitution in eighth grade where they memorize things and forget Maybe it should be a high school class hmm. so they're closer to voting age when they learn the Constitution. You know, I, I can remember taking it and having to pass that in the eighth grade, and that was such a big deal. But that's a, that's a very good question. Uh, they should probably have something in the civics or uh, U.S. Uh, Constitution or a class like that as you get closer because once you get out of high school, you are going right into the, vo- the voting public. I mean, that's a great idea. Well, that, you know, simply put, that idea is up. I mean, that, that's your ability, you know, to the caller. Great. Thanks for, first of all, calling in. And, you know, that, that's your right and your ability as, as the people. Wait a minute. Sure. We the people. So here's an idea that, you know, that we're talking about what is the role of government, what's the role of teaching. You know, that's established by the people. And so that idea and that concept can be mandated, you know, by you, the people within your school district as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to the direction that you elect to your to your board. So, you know, once again, you know, the, the, the great question for us is going to be, you know, the Constitution. You know, we, we hear about the Constitution. We talk about the history of, of the Constitution, folks. So really, ultimately, we're going to have to come to a point. Now, look, I do agree with, with some of the candidates uh, who are talking about this being a a, a crossroad election for this nation, you know, when it comes to the Constitution. And, you know, you have what we call constructionists, and then we have other individuals that understand or believe they understand the direction that the Constitution of the United States can go. By no means, folks, am I a constitutional attorney? Please, please. And, um, you know, I can't claim and I, I can profess, but, uh, you know, I, I have no certification of being a constitutional historian yet. But, you know, when it comes down to what we're talking about, the Constitution over the years has been, you know, uh, in debate since its inception. The great compromise we talk about, the Constitution, that is the greatest compromise. We forget about our history, you know, when we formed as a nation. The Articles of Confederation is what was up, you know, for debate amongst the people. And then we drafted the Constitution. And then, of course, the big debate about is it limited or unlimited. And when Madison took it to the states, he brought back the 12 amendments because the states didn't believe that it was limited. They believed that it had unlimited power. And then, of course, 10 Bill of Rights were established, which were prohibitions on the government. These were restrictions on the government, you know, and, 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 and two times, you know, a couple times in our history, we've utilized the amendment process to expand government on you, which I completely believe is incorrect interpretation of the Constitution. The amendment process, in my opinion, in my interpretation, is restriction, and so it is to prevent the government from imposing its power over you as the individual. That's something that the government has always wanted to do. It seems like at least lately, and we talked about twice, but has always wanted to do because they get full of themselves, and they'd like nothing more to have more and more power, Andrew. Well, you know, I did on this date in history, and this is an important one, folks, when it comes to the Constitution. I referred to the United States uh, Congress actually rejected a presidential veto. You know, that was Democrat Andrew Johnson who appealed basically what was known as the Civil Rights Act of 1866. That's right, folks. You know, one of our first civil rights was 1965. It was 1866. That act that he vetoed, which Congress overrode, granted citizenship to the freed African Americans. That act gave full citizen rights to all persons born in the United States, except for 
members on my father's side of the family, Native Americans. Wow, go for you. Yeah, I mean, we were the ones that, on my father's side of the family, the original. Yeah, the original Americans. Yeah, I I come, at least on my father's side, (laughs) folks, I'm an original American when it comes to being in the United States, okay? So that veto ultimately was overridden by the United States Congress, and of course, inevitably, it became the 14th Amendment uh, to the United United States Constitution. So, you know, when we talk about Constitution, and when we talk about, you know, tech Cruz and he's out there. We want to uh, follow the Constitution. Now I'm going to switch it over to a political thing here real quick, guys. You know, when you start preaching, in my conversations amongst black voters in America, when you start talking about the Constitution, black voters realize that fit three-fifth clause, you know, that the 14th Amendment and the 1864 Civil Rights Act actually abolished it got rid of that language in the constitution it's tough to reach out to african-american voters when you want to be a strict constructionist constitutionalist because most african-american voters believe that it was the supreme courts that upheld a lot of their rights which were challenged by the states so when the federal government imposed a lot of the civil rights uh, in the 1960 Civil Rights Act and imposed it upon the states. The states rejected it. They challenged it. And ultimately, the Supreme Court upheld it. So what's very important to African-American voters is not necessarily the importance of the Constitution, but the Supreme Court of the United States. The Democrats realize that. That's why they're trying to make the Supreme Court appointment a a point of this year's election against Republicans. But Republicans, we're so stupid right now. (laughs) We're caught up in a lot of stupidity right now. And so as a result, we're not seeing this strategic approach that the Democrats are clearly putting in front of us. You're absolutely correct on that, Andrew. And we just had a ruling that just came down on 8-8 to uh, on the vote. Uh, just this last week uh, in the states, and I forget, I think it was in Georgia, but I'm, I'm not quite sure of that. But if we would have had the full body on there, we would have had a decision. So instead it goes back to the lower court ruling, and that will stay in play, something that you really don't see very often. Well, you, you don't see that. Okay, folks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one more thing at the federal level. Is it me or, you know, I, I, I just don't understand why Ted Cruz is getting a pass on avoiding the question, did you cheat on your wife? I don't know if folks caught that, but, you know, the National Enquirer came out with an allegation. He dismissed the question. I haven't seen anything out there where he's actually, you know, said yes or no to the question. I found it very peculiar that when he was asked the question, have you cheated on your wife, he didn't look right in the camera like he did towards Donald Trump and say, absolutely not. He did not say no. He didn't get all offended and angry like he did at Donald Trump when he believed that Donald Trump was taking on his wife. So that could be an interesting development. And right now, you know, when you're running on the uh, Evangelica ticket, let me tell you something, folks, that is a very, very relevant question. Boy, how are the Democrats skating in Hillary with uh, emails and things like that? And they, the Republicans are just keeping themselves in the headlines, making it easier and easier for her and for the Democrats, Andrew. Well, another thing that we talked about last year, folks, we brought it up first. We, we talked about not only California being in play possibly, mm-hmm. you know, with the amount of candidates, four candidates that we believed uh, could take it to the limit, uh, take uh, around the gauntlet, as we say, all the way to June out here in California. But, you know, we also brought 
brought up the word brokered convention last year, possibly. And uh, boy, has that turned into something. Let me tell you something, guys. You know, the rules of the committee. And folks, if you're listening, if I'm uh, correct me, you can send us a text. What is that line? 8257-8255. Yeah, you know, right now, the rules committee of the Republican National Committee, I tell you what, those guys uh, have got to be like, oh my goodness, what is going on when when it comes to this? You know, so when they go into session, one of the big rules that they're going to have to address is the eight-state rule, folks. Now, what that is, is the rule simply says that in order to have your name placed on the ballot for nomination for vote at the convention, you have to win the majority delegates of eight states. And I think that's going to be the key majority delegates of eight states. I think that's how it reads, folks. So somebody Google that if they want and send me a text. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe that's how I read that. Now, at this point in time, I don't think Ted Cruz, we know John Kasich and Marco Rubio, but no. I don't think Ted Cruz has even won a majority of, of, of any of the states that he, he might have a couple of them as far as the majority delegates. So the question is going to be is whether or not Ted Cruz can even have his name uh, put up for nomination on that first round of voting. And at this point, I don't think that Ted Cruz is going to win the majority of eight states' delegates in order to have his name placed in nomination unless the Republican National Committee changes that rule. It's going to be a moot point. And that's a, and we talked about that they, they change the rules. They can do that. You know, it's not like they have to go out to the people. They can change those rules, but that would be just another way where the people who are going out by the millions and supporting Donald Trump would have another slap in their face if the Rules Committee were to do something like that and get away from that eight-state majority delegate rule. Yeah, that, that is something that I haven't seen a lot of focus on, folks, is the, is the words of that majority delegation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the convention floors, let me tell you something, once those committees convene, there's a lot of politics, a lot of horse trading that goes on in order to uh, establish the rules for this presidential session. So, you know, the delegates on the Democrats, they do the same thing. The delegates have got those 300 super delegates. And uh, in my opinion, you know, speaking with a lot of Democrats up and down California and across the nation, those 300 delegates are to prevent a, uh, well, if they believe as Democrats that their nominee cannot win, then those 300 delegates are are, are the power of choice of a few people to select who their nominee is. The coronation is with the Democrat Party. The power and corruption of, of the ability to, <laughs> to thwart the will of the people really comes in the Democrat Party, no matter what. The Democrats have got the coronation rule. They get to choose whomever they want to. And the superdelegate's job on the Democrat side is really to prevent the will of the Democrat people <laughs> voting primary process that these individuals believe can't win the general election from that individual actually getting the Democrat nomination. Wow. Now, the ones, they're not in play anymore. We're talking about... Uh, uh, Marco Rubio and Bush and Fee Renner, they won, you know, uh, Rubio won quite a few delegates, but the other ones did not. Can those go anywhere, Andrew? And, uh, could they give those eight states to Cruz if Rubio, <laughs> I mean, how would that work? Is that not in play at all? That is not in play. I mean, okay. the key here, folks, is going to be the rule change right. of the 
eight majority delegates. Uh, that's what's going to be in play. No one's really watching how that's going to play out. Most people are figuring out, well, you know, we can horse trade these delegates, these delegates, Ooh. these delegates. But unless that one more time the RNC changes that rule, I want to say that Ted Cruz is not going to be placed into nomination. Uh, John Kasich is not going to be placed in nomination. Nobody's going to be able to be placed into nomination to steal or to broker or to contest <laughs> the convention without that rule being changed. And we know that the history of that rule was really to screw over Ron Paul. That We all know that that's why they did it in order to preserve Mitt Romney over Ron Paul so that Ron Paul could not actually be placed into nomination four years ago, eight oh, years ago. Okay, now, just saying that, okay, eight years ago was changing Andrew can you see them changing that again eight years later how would that look well I mean they get to change that folks and that's that's the point I I mean you know we're here to really try to enlighten folks and to put out the truth about things I mean they get to do that no different than the members of Congress being able to establish the rules of their Congress of their House of their Senate so the big thing that we're looking at is that I'm I'm, I'm just trying to shine a light on it I don't see a lot of coverage on that I see all kinds of other nasty coverages but you know that that is where the power is going to be is whether or not they can change so at that point in time if they do not change that rule then the 1237 is going to come into question the question is going to be how they are going to change the rules one of them has got to be changed if they change both of them, you know, it's just going to be kind of it's just it's going to be fascinating to watch. Like I said, folks, you know, I, I enjoy watching this and hopefully we can get through all the vitriol and all the negative campaigns and really, really enjoy watching the process. We always talk about the process on the 503 report being the most important part of our day to day lives, especially in the structure of our government. Well, bringing the clarity to the people is what we do so very well. And do you see in coming up later, later on this month that being a topic at the Republican convention, something like that along the lines of what you just spoke on? Well, if we continue our record here on the 503 report and, and how we get out ahead of the curve, I'd have to say that probably there's a good chance that that is uh, <laughs> going to show up as as the rest of the media gets around the curve and they start focusing on that. But, you know, it's not the job or the role of the media right now to really get into uh, technical aspects of things and to be able to explain it to you, the listener, you, the viewer. It's really the media's avenue to get out to get you riled up so they can get ratings and they can charge more for advertisement. That's just the business, folks. I ain't mad at them nope. when it comes to this. And you know, a lot of people can say that we're pretty boring here bringing up a lot of things that we bring up. But you know what, folks? I love doing this. This is what I love to do. And I'm going to be doing it for a long time. Thanks to Rod Chambers and KSUE 1240 AM. Absolutely, Andrew. I can hardly wait. All right, folks. Now it's time for our favorite book. This one comes from Matthew 11:28. Come unto me, ye who are weary and overburdened, and I will give you rest. God bless you, America. The 503 Report, bringing Sacramento and the world to you. All right, Governor Jerry Brown, it's time to clean up the Office of Inspector General out here in California so that we can thank those men and women who go to work every day, working the toughest beat in the state, forming a duty so that you, our listener, including you, Governor Brown, can be safe across this nation. The 503 Report, bringing Sacramento and the world to you, podcasting on iTunes. You can go to the 503 Report, where America's voice is heard. In about a half hour after the show, go to sierradailynews.com and catch a rebroadcast of the show. Like Andrew said earlier, catch the first 15 minutes as well. And grab a cup of coffee for Saturday morning at 7 before the news and swap shop. And Sunday at 7.30, you can catch the rebroadcast of today's half-hour show as well before pre-programmed shows. We are always here every Friday, right after the news, about 12.15. We appreciate your calls and your texts at 257-8255 and iTunes as well. And thank you, Sierra Broadcasting Company, for this avenue. 
Folks, have yourself a great weekend. Little Leaguers opening up this weekend in Northeastern California. Have a great weekend, everybody. Yeah. Uh-huh.